0: Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. Chapter 3 and verse 4. And then I'm going to uh, connect it with a opposite verse in the same epistle in chapter 5. So, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter... What did I say? Chapter 3 it should be. Yes 1st Thessalonians chapter 3 and uh, verse 4 For verily when we were with you, and I'm reading from the authorised remember here so uh, your translation if you have a different one may use a different word here uh, For verily when we were with you we told you before that we should suffer tribulation even as it came to pass and you know we should suffer tribulation Now let's go over to 1 Thessalonians and chapter uh, chapter 5, which we've uh, spent uh, several weeks on. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I want to read verse 9. And again from the authorized here, For God has not appointed us to to wrath, or wrath. Uh, What do you say here in America? They made me say wrath. How do we pronounce that? All right, how, how do you pronounce W-R-O-T-H? All right, how do you pronounce W-R-A-T-H? Well, how can roth and wrath be the same thing? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: it,
1: this English
0: language is stupid, isn't it, eh? And you people are getting so smart, you could be dangerous. All right, so let's say the American way, wrath. (laughs) How do you say, father? Father. (laughs) Father. Ah. Okay, let's read the verse again. That's a good English lesson, that's free. For God has not appointed us to wrath, (laughs) but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to sort of do our study tonight in sort of two parts here. And uh, these two words here. We want to look at the word tribulation and we want to look at the word wrath. <laughs> it's the chalk. You're always playing the chalk, you know that. I can't figure out how that is wrath and that is wrath. <laughs> anyway, you know what I mean. Tongues interpretation. Now, Up the top of our notes here, under section A, which this is, we have the great tribulation and the wrath of God. Question. Question that we have always, or or often asked, such as, will the church go through the great tribulation? I believe that uh, this question can be answered by a proper study of the two words in Scripture that we're looking at here, is tribulation and wrath. Okay, now, I want us to look at some scriptures here, and uh, what I've done, just an example, and we may add some other scriptures here. I want us to note together the use of both of these words in the second coming New Testament books of Thessalonians and Revelation. And as we've been sharing together in our studies, 1st uh, and 2nd Thessalonians and the book of Revelation primarily uh, eschatological books, primarily 2nd primarily uh, coming books. And in our series over this term we've particularly looked at the revelation of the man of sin, the Antichrist, his manifestation and judgment, the second coming of the Lord, and what happens to the dead in Christ and the living saints. And the last couple of weeks we've been looking at resurrection and translation, and then last week we particularly looked at a church in first love. Now tonight I want to uh, spend uh, about half of our time on this area and then on some practical exhortations that Paul gives us to uh, practical Christian living here. All right, now let's go to some of the scriptures that I've outlined here. And I want to, first of all, go through some of the scriptures pertaining to tribulation, which I've put on your notes there, but we want to read the word in its first context. And then we want to look at some scriptures on uh, wrath here. And just look at them in their context. Okay, now you'll notice here that um, uh, both these words are used in Thessalonians and Revelation. So Thessalonians speaks of tribulation; uh, it's translated affliction, afflictions, affliction, uh, trouble, and so forth. And in the book of Revelation, it speaks of tribulation, great tribulation. And then in uh, Revelation and uh, Thessalonians, it speaks of uh, rough. And also in Revelation, the wrath of the Lamb and so forth. So let's look at some of these scriptures just in the use of the word and the context before I make uh, further comment here. Okay, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, 4, which we've just read. uh, That no man should be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed there unto, for verily when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation. So... The church, the believers, will suffer tribulation. Now, as uh, we've had cause to uh, mention in, in, uh, in the course of our studies here, as we understand it, we believe that before the second coming of Christ, there will be a period of three and a half years, which is referred to as the Great Tribulation. I want to comment about that in our study here Great Tribulation some people have uh, 7 years tribulation and I say well you can have 7 years or 107 years uh, just take your pick I don't want any myself do you? No very weak do you? No. Okay right. so if you have friends that believe in 7 years tribulation say help yourself make it 107 just whatever you like Uh, I would like to be out of it (laughs) wouldn't you? Alright, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 6, uh, the word tribulation, that doesn't seem right. Yes it is, uh, 1.6, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit. So affliction, it's the same a Greek word there, chapter 3 verse 7, back to chapter 3. Uh, Therefore brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction. Or tribulation is the same a Greek word uh, in all our affliction and distress by your faith. Second uh, Thessalonians. Let's go over to Second Thessalonians. So you'll notice this word tribulation, or the Greek word for tribulation, translated trouble, affliction, afflictions, or tribulations, is used uh, uh, at least two, four, six, eight times in the second coming epistle Second Thessalonians one and verse six. Uh, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Okay, tribulation to them that trouble you. Uh, Verse 7, and you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Where would I get that from? Uh, Mistake there. Verse 4, okay, back to verse 4, that 7, or troubled, I'm sorry, yes, the word you who are troubled or going through tribulation. That's right. Rest with us. Back to verse 4. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. And then I've already read verse 6 because it's uh, been repeated twice. Now let's go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10 on the opposite side And uh, look at the word uh, wrath, wrath. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivered us from the wrath to come. He delivered us from the wrath to come. Chapter 2 and verse 16, referring to what we looked at last week concerning the Jew, Uh, rejecting the gospel and hindering the apostles uh, witnessing to the Gentiles, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. That's on the Jews. So the gospel to the Jew first, and to the Jew first, indignation and wrath, as we saw last week, and chapter 5 and verse 9, which we read before. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ alright so what we see in these scriptures here is that the believer will go through tribulation the church will experience tribulation in fact there has never been a time in church history when the church and the believers have not suffered tribulation but the church and the believer will never suffer the wrath of God but we will suffer tribulation so when we say oh well Is the church going to go out by a secret rapture? We dealt with the rapture theory many, many weeks back. So is the church going to go through the tribulation? Or is it going to be uh, taken out by a secret rapture seven years or three and a half years before the coming of Christ? Our answer to that is, in the light of our series of studies on this, is no, the church will be here. During what is referred to as the Great Tribulation, the church will experience tribulation. But the church will not experience the wrath of God. Now I have on my notes, see I put it this way, Um, let me just see how I I put it. The scriptures show that there are two aspects of tribulation in the Word of God. Uh, Number one, tribulation on the saints, which can be the wrath of Satan against them. So tribulation on the saints, persecution of the saints, the wrath of Satan against against them. And number two, tribulation on the sinners, which is the wrath of God against them. So in one case we have the wrath of God, on the other case we have the wrath of Satan. So that's that's the difference. But the church will experience uh, tribulation. Let's go over to the book of Revelation here uh, a moment. And uh, just following down these scriptures here, Uh, On the one side the word tribulation On the other side uh, wrath Revelation 1.9 And notice what John says He's on the Isle of Patmos And uh, he's suffering under one of the uh, Roman emperors And look at what he says I John also am your brother and companion in tribulation So I'm I'm your companion in tribulation And in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ Uh, Chapter 2 verse 9 Uh, The second church there was Smyrna that he's writing to. Chapter 2 and verse 9. And he says to the angel of the church at Smyrna, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews, and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. So John is on the Isle of Patmos, and he's a companion of them experiencing tribulation. The church at Smyrna is going through tribulation. Chapter 2 verse 10 uh, Fear none of those things which you will suffer Behold the devil shall cast some of you into prison That you may be tried And you shall have tribulation ten days Not necessarily referring to ten literal days uh, Church history seems to allude to uh, Ten major persecutions under the emperors That the uh, early church suffered But here is the point You shall have Tribulation, ten days, be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Uh, chapter 2, verse 22, and here we have a, uh, a judgment, particularly by the Lord, about great tribulation. So there is a tribulation that is pressure from, um, from the devil, and yet there's a tribulation that the Lord uh, lets the church go through at times too. Verse 22, or verse 21, referring to the prophetess Jezebel, I gave her space to repent of her fornication and she repented not behold I will cast her into a bed and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation except they repent of their deeds so great tribulation and then chapter 7 and verse 14 uh, the last specific use of this word in, uh, tribulation in Revelation a company that John didn't know who they were chapter 7 and verse 14 and uh, these coming out uh, arrayed in white robes. And whence came they, the angel asked him, or one of the elders asked him, and John said he didn't know. I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of uh, great tribulation. Some of the uh, Greek scholars say that these are they which came out of tribulation, the great one, and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So we note the use of the word tribulation, both in Thessalonians and in Revelation, that the church, the believers will experience tribulation now, on the other side we've read the scriptures on wrath and we are not appointed to wrath we will suffer tribulation, but we'll not suffer wrath, let's go through uh, Revelation just on the use of that word here, Revelation chapter 6, the references are there uh, in a brief quote and I think uh When uh, people who teach and leaders who teach that the church will not go through tribulation, the church is going to be raptured out of the tribulation, and uh, God doesn't uh, let us go through tribulation, tell it to the martyrs in Russia. Tell it to the Christians in Russia. Tell it to the Christians who were murdered in China by the untold thousands. Tell it to these countries where the Christians are suffering. Oh, there's no no tribulation. Don't worry about the tribulation. There's going to be a little sneaky rupture it will get you out of it any moment. Tell it to them. It's very hard for us in our countries to even understand the word tribulation because if this is the tribulation, I'm enjoying it. Aren't you? But tell it to some of these countries. All right, Revelation 6.16 As the heaven is departed as a scroll, and mountains and islands are moved out of their places, Uh, the mighty men of the earth, they said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. Terrible language. Instead of having the blood of the Lamb, they receive the wrath of the Lamb. It's either we receive the blood of the Lamb, and are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. There's no alternative. Uh, for that but the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of His wrath is come and who shall be able to stand? Chapter 11 and verse 18. Chapter 11 and verse 18. And Here it's referring to the seventh trumpet, the last trumpet. And as I've said sometimes a lot of God's people are looking for the rapture trumpet when they've never even heard the feast of trumpets or all the other trumpets that are in the book of Revelation. But this is the seventh trumpet. And in verse 18 it says, And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come. God's wrath. And the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that you should give reward unto your servants the prophets and to the saints and them that fear thy name, small and great, and should destroy them which destroy the earth. So the time of God's wrath is come. The great day of wrath is going to be a frightening day. And uh, no wonder John the Baptist said, flee from the wrath to come. But when there's so much emphasis, as we've been uh, hearing over the last number of weeks, so much emphasis on the love of God, nobody ever talks about the wrath of God. How many here have ever heard a sermon on the wrath of God? <coughs> 1, 2 How many have heard a sermon? 3 How many have heard a sermon on the love of God? Some people respond to the love of God maybe some need the wrath of God because John said flee from the wrath to come chapter 14 verse 10 the most terrible verse in my mind in the total Bible And this is where the angel flies through heaven warning against taking the mark of the beast and uh, the angel says in his message if anybody worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God which is poured out without mixture it's undiluted it's not watered down in any way to make it more palatable but it's poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels, in the presence of the Lamb. That to me is hell. They're enjoying themselves there. Chapter 16 and verse uh, 10. Chapter 16 and verse 10. else it's another verse there Uh, anybody see the verse I think I've missed the verse there on uh, chapter 16 verse 10 the wine of the fierceness verse 19 just uh, correct that there chapter 16 verse 19 and the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell and great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath chapter 19 and verse 15 you notice that the word wrath is used almost twice as much as the word tribulation in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 15 when Jesus comes a second time uh, riding on a white horse we're told and out of his mouth goeth a sharp uh, sword that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And then uh, one other reference I've put there, uh, chapter 12, verse 17. And you'll notice how this word is spelt. (laughs) Chapter 12, and verse 17. And the dragon was wroth, wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. So you'll notice the uses of the word tribulation and wrath here. Now let me give you a definition of both of these words. So if you've got well, you've got, got how it's translated, but on the left side there, uh, the word tribulation coming from the Greek word there uh, in Strongs and Corinthians two, three, four, seven, and so forth. The word tribulation simply means pressure. Pressure. Uh, how many think we're living in a time of pressure? How many are feeling the pressure? And uh, the worst is yet to come. So cheer up saints. I, I'm a real optimist. The worst is yet to come. <laughs> What's that? And I'm a pessimist at the same time. The best is yet to come for the church. Hallelujah. So for the, the best is yet to come for, for the people of God and the worst is yet to come for the world. So the word tribulation there, the Greek word, which I'm not even going to try and pronounce, I'll leave it to the experts, but it simply means pressure. So Jesus, when he's talking about the great tribulation and tribulation, uh, there will be great pressure. Doesn't that take, doesn't the meaning of the word take pressure off that word? (laughs) I mean, if you say, are you going through the great tribulation? How many want to go through the great tribulation? Oh, it's a frightening word. But if you say, how many would like a little bit of pressure? (laughs) All through the church history, there's been pressure. There's always, and way back here, Jesus said to the disciples that, uh, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. In the world, you will have tribulation. In the world, you're going to have pressure. So nowhere in the total scriptures, are the saints promise that they're going to escape tribulation? Nowhere. Now they are promised that they will escape the wrath of God. So uh, I don't want to experience this in any way. We have not been appointed to this. Saints uh, promise that they will escape this. I don't want to be under the wrath of God, but I can handle pressure by His grace. Can't you? By His grace. So the word uh, there is translated afflicted, affliction, anguished, burdened, uh, persecution, tribulation, or trouble. Uh, on, on that same left side there, it's interesting that the word tribulum, a Latin word, a tribulum was an instrument used for threshing. Uh, the word tribulation comes from the Latin word tribulum, which is a threshing sledge, for removal of the chaff from the wheat when the wheat comes to maturity. I'm glad for that. So when the wheat comes to maturity, and, and it's interesting, I used to be on the farm once and uh, we used to grow wheat, barley, and hops. Uh, wheat, wheat and barley and whatever you call it. Um, and uh, so when the, when the wheat was just coming up there and, and uh, just young, uh, if you eat wheat when it's young it has milk in it, it's in the milk stage and see wheat in the milk stage could not handle the threshing and so uh, chaff and by the way just uh, in this picture chaff is not sin now I think we every church has a, a lot of chaff some more than others and chaff is necessary while the wheat is in the milk stage and some people want to come in and get rid of, oh you shouldn't have this in the church, You shouldn't have this in the church look at all the chaff in Waverley, I say well some of, us are, some of us are still in the milk stage and you just need that chaff for protection but once the wheat comes to maturity then God uses the tribulum to thresh the wheat not to destroy the wheat but to get the chaff which is now unnecessary so chaff is not sin in this picture see otherwise you say oh well we have uh, uh, chaff is necessary with wheat in this milk stage we're saying sin is necessary no we're not so chaff is necessary for wheat in the milk stage but once it comes to maturity so, if you're feeling a little bit more pressure these days, and the Lord has got His tribulum and telling you this hurts me more than it hurts you, Kevin, in the name of Jesus, say. thanks a lot, Lord. Just cheer up; you're coming to maturity. <laughs> How many are coming to maturity? How many feel you being? <laughs> How many feel you're being thrashed and receiving the laying of hands further down? Right? <laughs> But the Lord doesn't do it to new Christians, they come in, oh, Jesus is wonderful, hallelujah, it's just marvelous, oh, just, I'm living on cloud nine. So yeah, that's just wonderful, I used to be like that 35 years ago. <laughs> Give it a few years, buster, and <laughs> you'll get this tribulum, but don't tell them that, you'll scare them away. You know? <laughs> So that's very good. On the other side, I'll put the definition of the word wrath and its desire as reaching forth or excitement of the mind. It's like getting a person really mad, really angry and just you know that I just like to thrash the daylight out of you and just really and that's that's what that's the whole picture here uh, by analogy it's violent passion by implication that should be there punishment and it's translated anger indignation, vengeance, and wrath. And also another word that uh, comes out that is to provoke or enrage, to become exasperated. How many think that God could be coming exasperated with the nation of Australia, let alone the Western world with 100,000 abortions a year, with homosexuality and all the perversions that are taught in kids, uh, kids in school, bestiality, all under the guise of sex education. As a parent, as Bill was saying tonight, I would feel exasperated to think that our kids are being brainwashed with that stuff. Well, how long will God in his love and mercy and compassion hold back his wrath? And so I put a number of scriptures there. The believer will suffer tribulation. All right, so finishing on that part, the church will and always has suffered tribulation, but not the wrath of God. The sinner will experience both tribulation and the wrath of God in the ultimate. So I believe that if if Christians would really study just that word tribulation that the scriptures very clearly teach, that the saints will experience tribulation they have over the years the early church experienced it right through church history just go through the uh, uh, books on church history churches always experience that and will and I believe there's an intensity of uh, pressure and tribulation coming on the church in these last days but but, uh, diamonds are formed under pressure but the church will not experience that God will give us grace. Now, down the bottom of the page here, from First Thessalonians chapter five and verses one to twenty-eight, Paul lists, and I've just spelled them out for you. And uh, if you have, like, in your home meetings or own study, these things could be amplified. But I've just spelled out about twenty-five things that Paul gives in sort of a practical conclusion to the whole of the uh, second coming doctrine there. The end purpose of doctrine concerning the second coming is to admonish the saints to practical godly living. So with all we've been saying about the uh, heavenly temple, the great falling away in the heavenly temple, Christ coming as a thief in the night, uh, if you're looking for Christ to come as a thief in the night, you're in darkness, And the man of sin, the revelation of the Antichrist, resurrection, translation, all that we've been saying, the proton, the eschaton, um, the various Greek words for coming, the whole end of it is not just to fill our heads with knowledge, but to encourage us to practical Christian living. Can you say amen? Alright, so in order to be re- uh, ready to, for the coming of the Lord, in this chapter, as well as the two Thessalonian epistles, we have a number of practical exhortations to Christian, Christian living. If a believer follows these things, he shall be ready and waiting for the Lord to be revealed from heaven. And uh, so on uh, page 18, I've just spelt them out with additional scriptures from the epistles here. Number one, we are to watch. Number two, we are to be sober. And it's interesting the word sober means to be of a disciplined mind. To be of a disciplined mind. Opposite to drunkenness as we saw and sleepiness. So to be sober, to be of a disciplined mind. Number three, uh, put on the breastplate of faith and love. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. We picked that up last week on the church in first love. Uh, Faith, hope and love. The threefold cord, the eternal uh, trio. And so here is another illustration of that uh, same eternal trio. Uh, Faith, love, and hope. And I like the language on this, put on the breast plate of faith and love. That plate that covers the breast, if we think of the bride of Christ, breast of faith and love, maturity, helmet, the hope of salvation. Number four, he tells us we are to comfort one another. Uh, in uh, the, the dead in Christ the believers, the living believers comfort one another we are to exhort one another uh, someone has uh, put a definition of these words edify, exhort and comfort is edify is to build up exhort is to stir up and comfort is to bind up Just a good, uh, simple uh, simple definition of those three words there. Comfort one another, exhort one another, edify one another. So comfort to bind up, exhort to stir up, and edify to build up. Just a good, uh, simple trinity of words there. Number seven, all in this chapter, know and esteem those who are over you in the Lord, those who admonish you so the oversight the eldership here is you to know them you to esteem them uh those of you uh, over you in the lord and who admonish you to uh stir you up and uh, uh counsel the word admonish has the whole thought of counseling correction and adjusting number eight warn the disorderly all these things were to do comfort there's time for comfort time to exhort time to edify time to be admonished time to warn the disorderly Uh, number nine, my son-in-law Frank DiMozio he said this is his favourite scripture and every time he sees me he says this is for you dad comfort the (laughs) feeble-minded and he lays his hands on my head (laughs) the villain Uh, number ten, support the weak that's what I'm doing with my wife uh, here. number eleven, be patient to all, patience Lord, give me patience. I want it now. Uh, Number 12, do not render for evil for evil. Number 13, follow that which is good. All practical. This is very practical, down to earth stuff, being ready for the coming of the Lord. Uh, Number 14, rejoice evermore. Number 15, pray without ceasing. Number 16, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. Number 17, quench not the spirit. 18, despise not prophesying and when, as we saw way back in our original study here that there were uh, supported prophecies and uh, supposed prophecies and uh, utterances from spirits and supposed writings and epistles from Paul saying that the Lord had come already Uh, the Thessalonica church were inclined to despise prophesying oh well they prophesied the Lord is coming and you can't trust prophecy no he says don't quench the spirit and the operation of the the spirit Uh, don't put out the fire quench not the spirit like quenching the fire putting out the fire of the spirit don't do it Because you've heard some false prophecies here and there. Don't despise prophesying, and turn it off and quench the uh, prophetic gift. Number 19, prove all things. Uh, That's the whole point. We have to prove prophecy, prove everything that comes to us. Number 20, hold fast to that which is good. Number 21, what a practical one this is. Abstain from all appearance of evil. It may not be evil, but disappear evil in the sight of ungodly or believers. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And 22 is such a tremendous verse. Uh, be wholly sanctified in spirit, soul, and body. I'll come back to that in a moment. 23, pray for the ministry. Let's go over to um, this one here, number 23, uh, for a moment. Verse 25 and uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. And uh, a very significant thought here. Uh, verse, 20, uh, 20, verse 25 of First uh, Thessalonians 5, that's right. He says, uh, brethren, pray for us. So we need to pray, pray for the brethren. And then in uh, chapter 3 in verse 1, finally, brethren, pray for us. What for? That the word of the Lord may have free course. And if you have a King James marginal reference there, it says, "Uh, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the Word of the Lord may run. May have free course that the Word of the Lord may run. And uh, sometimes, you know, it gets hard teaching, hard preaching and that. And uh, it can be the enemy binding, but we need to pray for all who minister the Word of God, that the Word will run. The Word will have free course and run unhindered. That's the thought number 24 here uh, greet one another with a kiss of charity Uh, says uh, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss here well a bit dangerous today with some of our society but the ladies can kiss each other and the men can shake hands and give your hand back to each other Okay, uh, greeting one another and then read this epistle to everyone let's go over to uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23 and 24 which I believe is uh, sort of the key, uh, one of the major keys in the Thessalonian Thessalonian epistles. Uh, And he says here, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and notice Paul's order. Whole, complete sanctification, the God of peace. Sanctify you wholly. Sanctified in spirit, sanctified in soul, sanctified in body. And you'll notice the order, it's spirit, soul, and body. I think so many of us and so many preachers get it wrong. Bless us, Lord, in body, soul, and spirit. The order is spirit, soul, and body. Not body, soul, spirit. In the fall when Satan brought about the fall of the man and the woman do you know Satan's approach and and the the devil's the same yesterday today and forever you know Satan's approach Satan's approach is always body soul and spirit God's approach is always spirit soul body how many are redeemed in their spirit how many born again in their spirit How many are being redeemed in your soul? Mind, will and emotions. The last thing to be redeemed is? The body. Satan's approach is attack the body. Flesh, sins, senses. Then soul cults. And then eventually spirit cults because he wants demon possession. God works the opposite. Satan works from without to within. God works from within to without. And as if you feel it's impossible, verse 24 is the great promise Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. And I've put the rest of the scriptures there on sanctification. It's a very strong theme in the second coming epistles, sanctification, that people be wholly sanctified. And I believe we do these 25 things, that's enough to prepare anybody for the coming of the Lord. Can you say Amen. Amen. Let's stand and let's close in a word of prayer. Now please, next week, uh, make sure you give uh, my wife or David or Rosemary or myself your questions for our final night. Now next week we'll do the order of events, but the following week we'll have a night on questions. And uh, ask Solomon to come along to help us. Okay, let's bow in prayer. Father, we just thank you once again for being in your presence. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of learning of your precious Word. And, Lord, you said uh, that man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And, Father, as we continually and daily feed ourselves the natural man and the outer man the physical man, we thank you, Lord, for the food for the inner man that is renewed day by day and the spiritual food that your Word is health to all our flesh. Let it be, Lord. And we do pray, Lord, that... Uh, We will take these things to our heart, Lord, and be a sanctified people, wholly sanctified in spirit, soul, and body. And we thank you for your promise, Lord, that you called us, and you're faithful and reliable and dependable, and you not only called us, but you will do it as we surrender ourselves unconditionally to you and totally to you. Seal your word to our hearts, Father, and let your presence go with us now until we gather again over the weekend in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org where you can access PDF downloads of all of Kevin Connor's books as well as his video training courses including the Key of Knowledge seminar and Foundations of Christian doctrine.